Welcome back to the Hoops Temple Podcast. You all know me, Nathan Schwartz. Joining me from Austin, Texas, we got Rob from the B-Ball Archives. What's going on? Thanks for having me, Nate. Glad to have you. Good to have you here. And then joining us from Memphis, we got Coach Lewis from Rim Dynasties. What's going on? Good. I'm, I'm excited to talk about, uh, you know, Philadelphia area basketball here on uh, Temple Hoops podcast, right? Absolutely. That is, that's, you know, the major inspiration for our name is uh, Temple University, a place that I have never been to or heard of. <laughs> um, I know, I mean, I've heard of it, but like, yeah, strong hoops tradition there. Absolutely. Oh, well, gentlemen, I'm glad that you guys both could join us because we've been just working our way through each of the divisions, trying to figure out. Uh, you know, where each of these teams are going to rank. It's been a nice way to kind of touch base, this on all of the teams, see what moves they've made. Lou, you are a Memphis guy. Rob, you have stuck through the the dark times in San Antonio. So uh, it'll be great to have you guys on. Generally, we try to start off with the worst team in the conference or work our way up to the best team in the conference. I don't want to take too bold of assumptions, but are we okay with saying the worst team in the, in the division will be the Spurs? We we certainly could be. I I think we'll. I mean, if we aren't, we will be fighting for that for that title. So I think, uh, yeah, let's let's start with San Antonio. I mean, I think that there's obvious improvements from last year. I mean, I don't think that I look at this roster and and the way we've developed, and we're still going to be a 22 win team. I think we're going to win much more than that for many reasons. I mean, just just to name a few. Obviously, you add Wemby. I mean. First and foremost, it's mm-hmm. Wembenyama is is what everyone's been screaming through the streets of San Antonio. So it's you know he obviously gives us a clear offensive and defensive identity to build around. But I also like that Keldon is going to be a little bit more in his natural role. You know, whenever he played uh, off ball alongside of Dejounte, we saw a more efficient Keldon Johnson, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that this next season. I think it's going to be a little bit more like Wemby's going to get the ball high post and we're going to see a lot more catch and shoot from Keldon. So I think him playing a more efficient brand of basketball is going to be a good thing. You know, healthy Devin Vassell, I'm going to be really excited about because he only played 38 games last year. So I mm-hmm. think, you know, we need to see him on the court more often than not. And, you know, in order to get some some actual rhythm within our young core, and the other young guys developing like Jeremy Sohan. Like I saw so much within that rookie season to just get me excited about what this guy can bring to the table. And, and I just wonder, you know, what other ways can he improve his game, you know, similar to how he did free throws mid season. Um, and outside of that, you know, we we shirt up our point guard with Trey Jones a little bit. So I like that move. We have some sleeper guys like Julian Champagne. I like a lot. Um, so I, I think we improve, but I'm not going to get unrealistic. I don't think we we win more than 35 games. You know, we're not going to be a crazy sure. team. Sure. Yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. I haven't been thinking of the Spurs as like uh, anything more than like a play in team at best you know but i think that like this year is just going to be okay we're getting getting Wemby involved we're going to see kind of what his strengths and weaknesses are in the nba you know i think i saw that he's going to start at the four alongside zach collins so that'll be kind of interesting to see what uh what happens there um you mentioned Devin vassell he just signed an extension like an hour ago he did he did that was a pretty fat extension i'm honestly i'm honestly glad to see it like it was you know about 30 million dollars a year i think 
you know, maybe year one or year two, it's going to look like a steep amount of money. But towards the back end of that deal, I think it's going to look like a steal. I think he's going to improve a lot to where, you know, he may end up being a 40, 45 mil a year kind of guy towards that, uh, towards the end of that contract. I think his catch and shoot ability or his ability to attack going downhill will have been really strong. So, I mean, I, I like the way he pairs next to Wimby. I think that's going to be a really nice fit. Absolutely. One of the things I've done for each of these teams is I have prepared a somewhat loose trivia question. I've been waiting for these all day. Now, <laughs> the Spurs have had some masterful draft picks. We know Duncan number one. We know Robinson number one. But since Tim Duncan, they have had 10 rookies that have played at least 1,000 minutes in their rookie campaign. These can be undrafted guys. These can be guys that were traded to them at the draft. But can you name the 10 rookies that were drafted or that played 1,000 minutes? That's for the Spurs. There's some really easy names and there's some hard names in here. Well, I mean, obviously, like Duncan, we're we're talking, you know, Duncan, Robinson, without a doubt. Since Duncan. Oh, since Duncan. Since Duncan. And just for some context... A thousand minutes is about fifteen minutes a game if they play seventy games that season. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's a very interesting question. I didn't know we were going to dive in on that. But um, <laughs> all right. First, first names that really come to mind um, that we that we drafted um, or traded for uh, or you know undrafted guys just played their rookie year with San Antonio. Man. Can I say I'll say Kawhi George Hill either one of them? Yeah, Ka- Kawhi George Hill. That's two of our names. Sure, man, I'm I'm drawing a blank on this question real quick. Um, Come on, Rob, this is your chance to relive the glory days of rookies past. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. I'm Parker Ginobili. Parker and Ginobili both there. Oh, oh, wait, we're talking. I'm, I'm getting the easy ones out of the way for you. Oh wait a minute. Okay, okay, okay. I, I I think I I think I miss I think I misunderstood the the question. Okay, um, I I thought it was 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 excluding those. Okay, um, oh, just anyone since Duncan, and we're trying to relive the glory days of rookies past or remembering all the impactful rookies because San Antonio does have this like surprising history of rookies making a big impact. You know, a lot of the guys on this name or on this list like don't have great NBA careers. But because they're drafted later, uh, ended up playing a surprising amount of minutes. Yeah, I'm. I don't know why I'm. I'm coming up so blank on some of these. Can you can you throw out a couple for me just to just to make me feel a little bit better about myself? And I'm man, I'm feel like I'm failing as a Spurs fan right now. What, what well, about okay? I'm gonna think Keldon and Trey Jones too. Well, I mean, and 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 De- wait, Devin wouldn't be in there. I don't think he played enough minutes. Devin Vassell, one thousand fifty six really? minutes. Okay, oh, Heldon did not make it, nor did yeah, Trey Jones. Yeah, neither did Trey. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, we we did play Devin quite a bit. Um, I can give you some names that are just off the list. Yeah, give me some names that are just off the list. Jonathan Simmons only played eight hundred minutes. Josh oh, wow. Primo nine hundred sixty five. Davis Bertans. What about Lonnie? What about Lonnie Walker? Did we play Lonnie Walker some good minutes? Not as a no, rookie. Not as a rookie. No. Man, oh, so, uh, Derek Jones, Dejounte Murray. Yeah, the, the, no. Derek White, sorry. Yeah, Derek White. Nope. Neither yeah, of them. Neither wow. of them. Wow. Okay, I'm coming up blank. This one might have been too hard of a trivia question. <laughs> well, no, honestly, it's just the rookie aspect of it is throwing me off a little bit. Um, because I'm just trying to think of rookie specific seasons. Yeah. 
So we've got five of them. Is that right? Yes. You got George uh, Hill. What about Kawhi. what about like guys like Tiago Splitter? Tiago is seven hundred minutes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why his his name popped up, but yeah, it's it's um, a great name. It's you know a guy that was really impactful to past Spurs championship. It's been amazing to yeah, kind of look Bonner. back at some of these names. No, Bonner did not get many minutes. No, okay. Yeah. yeah, he he. He, he he had his role, but he was mainly like a 10, 12 minute kind of guy. Yeah. Um, hmm. Guys that were getting big, big minutes or at least some decent minutes back in the day. I mean, we didn't have, man, I'm really coming up blank on some of these. Our, uh, Bruce Bowen? Nope, not Bruce. He was, he was in he was in Chicago as a rookie, oh, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. He was, yeah. There were two from last year's team. Oh, two from, two from last year's team. Um. Wow. Dang. Um, hmm. Who was playing big minutes for us last year? It wasn't uh So Jeremy? Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. was it it wasn't Malachi Brenham? It was Malachi with one thousand. Was it Malachi? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Did like Luka Samanich play a thousand? He couldn't have, right? He did not. Uh but you're missing the guy with the second most minutes played. He was a point guard for the Spurs. Uh, Patty Mills. Not Patty. No, Portland, yeah. Oh, um, yeah. Why am I thinking Patty? Yeah. Oh, Corey Joseph? Not Corey. Corey did get the decent minutes his first year, but uh, no. Kyle Anderson? No. Still no, man. Uh, I'm going to give you guys the three names so we can move on, but I thought this would be yeah. a fun look oh, back at his first Beno Udrich. Beno Udrich is in there. Yeah. Yep. Okay, Beno. Gary Neal and oh, Sean Blair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Mr. Yeah. No ACLs. Dang. Mr. No, no Knees. Came in, Dang. played big right off the bat. Yeah, the Spurs, Absolutely, Spurs have had a surprising like number of guys that have come in, made impacts as their rookie year. Uh, I thought yeah. that'd be a good framework to look at, just because you know what impact are we expecting Wemby to have this year? Rob, what's your projection on his stats? Uh, well, I mean, I think he's going to come in and have all the agency in the world. I mean, there's really no one that's fighting him for minutes, whether he's playing power forward on offense, playing center on defense. You know, he's going to move fluidly through the offense and the defense. So I think, you know, the sky is the limit for him. It's just all about health. It's like, is he going to be healthy enough to get some rhythm during the season? But I could easily see a rookie campaign where he's putting up 18 and 10, at least two blocks a game. The efficiency is probably going to be atrocious. Like, I'm, I mean, it's probably going to be sub 30% from beyond the arc. You know, he's he's going to get clamped down a lot. He's going to get fouled a lot. I think the only upside to that is he's a decent free throw shooter. You know, he's going to be about probably 70, maybe 72 percent, I would say, from the line based on what I've seen from him. So it's, um, you know, whenever I put all that together, you know, I could easily see 18 and 10 and, you know, with, yeah. with obviously, you know, really great rim protecting defense. So I was thinking about this earlier because I know that you, you've asked this on a couple others, Nate. So I was thinking somewhere around because I feel like he might not as a like they might kind of have the training wheels on him as a rookie. And I was thinking like 14, maybe like nine rebounds. But I was actually I'm going to overshoot you on the blocks. I think it's going to be like two and a half blocks. I think he's going to just block everything. Oh, yeah. He's got crazy arms. And if he's not the primary center or like yeah. defender that's glued to the big man, he can roam and get lots of you know easy weak side blocks. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think he'll probably, like, kind of what Jaron Jackson did this year, like, I think that he'll kind of, I think he'll be 
have, like you said, a lot of agency to be able to just like the Rob Williams Roller roll. And he's and he's got like the longest arms in the world. Like he'll he'll be able to get a hand on everything. Oh yeah, he's gonna be tipping floaters. He's gonna. Yeah. I mean, I'm 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 sure he's gonna be surprising people that are gonna take some corner threes, and they're thinking they're not gonna they're not gonna have to worry about Wemby, and he's gonna get yeah. a fingertip on it somehow. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, all right. With all that, then, what type of wins improvement are we thinking for these uh, the Spurs? I've got them at thirty wins in my book. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a safe bet. I mean, I'm thinking more like you know anywhere from twelve to at most a fifteen win improvement from last season, given everything okay. I was kind of saying earlier. I mean, I don't think we make the play in. I'm not trying to like over exaggerate what we're about to do for next season. Forty wins is a stretch. Obviously, I but but if we were to win 37 games, I think that would be an ideal outcome if everyone's healthy. You know, that's really I, I, high. Like, yeah? That's a huge improvement. I mean, I, I know Wemby's the greatest prospect since Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, but that seems like a huge jump. I mean, I don't I mean, it, it would put us at like 11th in the West, maybe, you know, that's like. That's we fair. would finish behind. We would finish behind what the Mavs or what the Mavs did last season, and they didn't make the play in. You know, it's like you got to keep it in perspective. I'm not saying we're a play in team. I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, I think with everything I was saying earlier, improvements with our young core and adding Wemby, at best, that could be 15 more wins. Fair enough. But yeah. but maybe but maybe I'm just an optimistic Spurs fan. I'm not. I'm not discounting that either. It is okay to have some optimism. We uh, recorded yesterday, Aaron, Dylan, Jack, and I, uh, so two Kings fans, and sure enough, they projected the Kings have more wins than the rest of us. <laughs> Clippers fan, he projects the Clippers have more wins than the rest of us. I did project the Lakers slightly higher than uh, than the other two put them, so uh, it happens. Yeah, so I'm thinking for, I'm thinking like if, if Wemby is, if Wemby comes in and it's like Tim Duncan's rookie season, like top five MVP, whatever, which I, you know, I don't know if he'll be top five in MVP based on number of wins, but like I'm thinking best case scenario, like 35. I think they'll sell around 29 or 30 um, because I feel like Wemby's going to, you know, play like 65 games, maybe not because of injury, but just because of like we're going to rest you back to back, that kind of thing. Yeah. Looking at all of the minutes from the rookies, it was really interesting to see like Pop does not play rookies a ton of minutes. Unless he kind of drafts them later and they're one of those older guys like, you know, Gary Neal coming in, Juwan Blair coming in. Um, but like 20 minutes a night seems to be his his consistent role for rookies. So I think there's I think there's potential for more of a slow role. Yeah, obviously. And and, and we're taking the the long term approach with Wemby. If there's any yeah. kind of concern, we're we're thinking long term. So it's not like we're going to be pushing him out there trying to develop him quickly like a Orlando magic was doing with Paulo last year. You know, mm-hmm. it's like it's not going to be something like that. Yeah. No need to rush it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the second worst team in the, the division, I think we would all agree is going to be the Houston Rockets. Any other yes. uh, nominations for, okay. Well, last season, Houston was the second youngest in the te- second youngest team in the league with an average age of 22.1 years old. This year, they have left off five guys that are 23 or younger. Can you guys name the five 23-year-old or younger players that were on Houston last season and are not on them this year? Oh, they're not. Uh, Josh Christopher. Yep. Yeah, he just moved, yeah. Uh, Usman Garuba. Yep. Um, 
Is Jay Sean Tate still on that team? Jay Sean Tate is still there. He's still okay. But we got a guy that went to the Clippers, guy that went to the Timberwolves, and a guy that went to the Bucks. Hmm. I'm trying to think of who was a part of those that that Brooks deal. So that was that was Josh Christopher. I yeah, that was, that was Christopher. That was mm-hmm. um, he just got cut by Memphis, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yesterday. Man, can't even get a home. Yeah. Well, they, we'll get to it later. But the there, uh, there's a bit of a roster crunch right now. There's yeah. like 20 guys on the roster right now. Yeah, I'm coming up blank on that one. I mean, they 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 kept Cam Whitmore, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. On the team last year. Yeah, I cannot think of who the Clipper would be. He was the 52nd pick in the 2020 draft. Oh, Ty Ty Washington? He is on the Milwaukee Bucks, but he's one of the names. The 29th pick in the 22 draft. You got the you got all the good draft picks. Josh Christopher <laughs> was the 21st in the 21 draft. Ty Ty 29th yeah. in the 22. Usman Garuba, 23rd pick in 21. Uh, the names we're missing here are Kenyon Martin Jr. Kenny Martin Jr. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And Deshaun Nix. Deshaun Nix. Oh, I remember. he played a ton last year. Okay. Yeah. They've given up on their youth movement. They've brought in the veterans this year. Yeah. I, I don't know what you guys think entirely about their starting lineup, but at least a loose projection is something like Fangoon, Jabari Smith Jr., Dylan Brooks, J- Jalen Green, and Fred Van Vliet. How are we feeling about uh, New Look Rockets? I think they are going to be the worst true shooting team in the league. I think they're going to be a bottom... 10 offense at, at, at best, <laughs> but they're going to be super fun to watch. They are. They, they are going to be very fun to watch. I mean, but with, you know, Jalen Green and then adding Van Vliet, like he's just been getting more inefficient as his career goes on. So I feel yeah. like, man, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think they they still have a responsibility to develop their younger guys like Green and, and Shangoon, but I don't know how that's how that's going to happen when you bring when you're bringing in Dylan Brooks, you're bringing in you know Van Vliet and yeah. you know yeah I I guess I'm kind of scratching my head, but uh, hopefully Udoka can figure it out. Yeah, I do like their just with Dylan Brooks. I mean, he's obviously a great defender. I have my uh, I have my qualms with his offense. I looked him up. Uh, he had the third lowest true shooting percentage in the league uh, wow. last year. Dylan Brooks did. Oh wow! Well, only. I have my own trivia question, but I won't ask it. But Trey Mann and Killian Hayes were the two that were worse. So if you want to know what kind of league Dylan Brooks is in. That does not help my <laughs> Killian Hayes stock. <laughs> I'm holding out hope. I still believe that he can turn this around. Literally the only way is up for Killian Hayes true shooting. Or out. Killian Hayes was number 198 out of 198. Oh, oh man. <laughs> that hurts. Yeah, I, I have kind of similar feelings because I really like Jabari Smith Jr. I like Tarek Eason. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to see those guys continue to develop, but it feels like in bringing in Van Vliet and Brooks, minutes are going to get crunched. The shooting's going to get crunched. And like, I don't know, I don't feel like Van Vliet's really the guy that's going to set them up and really captain the offense. Like, it'd be one thing to bring in a veteran like Chris Paul or Kyle Lowry that's like, hey, I'm going to tone set and let help you guys develop. I don't know that I feel like Van Vliet is that guy. I feel like he kind of wants his own, like, wants to run the show and not, like, defer to, well, he's he's not going to defer to Dylan Brooks, but not defer to, like, Jalen Green, you know, mm-hmm. who, like, really, I mean, they, they should they should be focusing on him. He should be taking the most shots and, you know, playing the most minutes of everybody. He's in his third year now. 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I like Jalen Green a lot. I think he really is, has not been in a, like a, I don't know if from a basketball perspective, I like him. I just, I like watching him. Uh, okay. I like, I like watching the shots that go in. Let me say that. <laughs> uh, I think he's extremely exciting, but like really dumb as uh, on the court. And so, uh, I, I would like to see him be better because I feel like he's one of the more exciting players in the league uh, if he can like put things together. But so far, I mean, he's just not not very good. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he's he's one of those guys where like you'll watch him play and you'll 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 see him hit the most difficult shot ever. It'll exactly, be like yeah. this, this ridiculous fadeaway in front of two people, and I'm just like, wow, that was incredible. And then he'll miss like a wide open, easy, basic, you know, exactly, it, you know, as close to a practice shot as you can humanly get, yeah. and it just doesn't go in. And I'm like, wow, there's there's just some consistency there. And I yeah. mean, I, I think a lot of that comes with age, but you know, if the Rockets don't have the right sort of roster rotation, then how are you going to be able to develop that? I mean, he's right. got to, he's got to be able to, to learn those responsibilities within the offense, you know, as you know, you know, being the man within that offense, mm-hmm. you know, if you, you bring in Van Vliet, I don't know if that sends the right message. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like they really want to make the playoffs this year. I mean, they brought in Udoka, they brought in a lot of more veteran guys. Like they brought in, uh, they brought in green. Um, yeah. Jeff green. Yeah. Like, why would you bring in Jeff Green? Like, Jack Londale kind of makes some sense. All right, he's a little, little bit younger. He can, you know, be a solid defensive big. But, like, what – Jeff Green is just, hey, I'm veteran presence and I want to yeah. help the team make the playoffs. But I, I don't know. This this lineup just feels weird. And I'm like, I, I don't want to see a starting lineup of Jack Landale, Jeff Green, Dylan Brooks, Fred Van Vliet, and then I, I don't care who else you put in there. It's just like you've given up on the – on developing the youth and that's yeah that just yeah. tells me you're gonna backslide more maybe the following year right you're just gonna end up in no man's land just like making the play in barely and it's like all right how is how are you gonna develop after that yeah yeah well the rockets also won 22 games last year what are we thinking about putting them down as far as wins this year so i was thinking hard about this i i don't think that they will make the play in i feel like their offense is going to be so bad. And, like, I feel like it's going to be predictable. I don't mm-hmm. know. It, like, Dylan Brooks just does the same thing every possession. Like, and he's going to, as soon as he gets the ball, he he really doesn't let it go. I looked at his, like, aggregate passing number, like, just raw numbers. And uh, he, he receives a lot more passes than he gets, let's just say that. But I think, like, because, I mean, they're, they're going to they're gonna score points. I was thinking, like, 31, 32, probably. All right. That's right where I had him in the 31 32 yeah. range. It just, it's also where Vegas has him 31 and a half wins. Yeah. Oh, really? over on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, at the end of the day, they got a lot of young guys that are getting better. They added some good weapons, but I just, I just don't see it all meshing together to where it's going to result in anything positive. It's, you know, but more than 22 wins. Yeah, sure. I could see him easily 29, 30 wins without a doubt. Yeah, definitely. Well, who is the next team you guys want to talk about? Because I feel like there's cases for any of the Memphis Mavericks or Pelicans uh, teams to be the, the kind of middle tier of the Southwest division. I So I was when I was guessing the number of wins, I had Dallas next just by a hair. Okay. All but right. if you guys disagree, then feel free to go to a different team. I was kind of thinking Pelicans. Rob, where were you at? Yeah. Um, I was kind of thinking Mavs as well, but okay. um, I'm I'm down to go wherever. Let's talk like Mavericks. Last year, Luca and Kyrie 
were both in the top 10 in points per game. This is just the 12th time since the year 2000 that teammates have done it, and there have only been eight other teammate combinations to be in the top 10 in points per game. Can you name the other eight combos? Okay, Kobe and Shaq. Kobe and Shaq, yep. Was it KD, KD Curry? No, surprisingly. KD Steph. No, no KD stuff. Really? Wow. Now it was also the, like the minimum games thing, so I don't know if that played a. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was it LeBron, LeBron, Kyrie? LeBron and Kyrie, yes. LeBron, Kyrie. LeBron and Wade. LeBron and Wade. Yep. I'm trying to think through like the mid 2000s. What would, would look for high scoring duos? Kobe and Powell. Powell didn't score enough. Right? No, Powell did not score enough. Yeah. Okay. There were a couple what was surprising the, what... ones in here. Yeah. Um, hmm. Just two it, two teammates that were in the top ten in points per game in a single season. Wait, shot in the dark, Grant Hill and Jerry Stackhouse. No, no, that's a good guess though. That's a <laughs> that's a deep pull. Well, but yeah. uh, two thousand and one when Stackhouse exploded was right after they got rid of Grant Hill. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't know why am I thinking like Paja and Chris Weber. No, but that's a good call. That is. That is. Huh. Uh, Sharif Abdurrahim and Michael Dickerson. <laughs> <laughs> fantastic names no i'll give oh, you the teams we've got one duo from denver one duo from the knicks we've got a golden state warriors combo an okc combo and a boston combo katie and russ tatum and brown yeah tatum and brown for sure now yep. that you mentioned that tatum and brown katie and russ let's see denver uh uh iverson and carmelo yes sir yeah dang dang i feel like i should have got that so we got a Warriors. I mean, Stephen Clay. Stephen Clay. Stephen Clay. Mm, Stephen Clay. Good, good cleanup on that one. 2015. And who, who was the last one? There's a Knicks combo. Carmelo and Amare. Car- Carmelo and Amare. Ooh. There we go. Yeah. I thought Excellent. it was interesting to kind of look back and see, all right, you do have some dominant scoring duos that won. Shaq and Kobe, LeBron and Wade, yeah. Clay and, and Curry. But also you've got Iverson and Carmelo. You've got Carmelo and Amare. Uh, you know, Tatum and Brown, Russell and Durant. A lot of these combinations actually didn't end up winning the years that they they were doing this. And so as we're looking at Dallas with two top 10 scorers, I think that's just as very telling that they could have this incredible offensive output, but still potentially not be a good team. Just goes to show that fit matters, you know? It's yeah. like it's it's not all about the numbers you're putting up. It's it's almost in the in the way that, you know, within the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean they don't, and they don't have like any. But I mean Grant Grant Williams now, but they don't really have very many guys who like actually can play defense. Yeah, and Maxi Kleber, Grant Williams, uh, Josh Green. Yeah, Josh Green. But I mean, I was yeah. I was looking at the roster, and I was like, man, I just don't. This doesn't inspire me at all. I just don't think this team is going to be very good. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I completely agree. I was expecting more of a splash, and and you know, whenever they got rid of. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith I was like all right there there's a clear defensive hole that that was just created and I don't think that they've ever filled that void since yeah I mean Grant Williams Grant Williams is like good he's he's a good defender but like I don't know I mean he's not he's not the defensive anchor but I mean he he kind of has to be in in this you know in some lineups on this team oh yeah I mean I've been trying to figure out like what I think a crunch time five for these guys could look like and I, I don't want Dwight Powell in it uh, so I'm going small. I'm putting Maxi Kleber at center. 
yeah. next to Grant Williams, uh, Josh Green, Luca, and Kyrie, because I feel like that's about as much defensive capabilities you can put out there. Rob, what yeah. were you about to say? No, I was about to say they they re-signed Powell and and uh, didn't they get uh, Rashawn Holmes? Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but from I mean, podcasting I don't know. a whole season with a Kings fan uh, <laughs> last year, I, I'm I haven't been feeling much Rashawn Holmes love for uh, for a season now. Right. I guess I'm just I'm talking about in comparison to Dwight Powell's rim protection. His actually looks looks good from yeah. time to time. <laughs> they also well, got Derrick Jones Jr. That's a little yeah, Derrick Jones Jr. I was looking and I was like, I they really are going to need Derek Lively. Like they're going to need him to be a really good defender immediately. Yeah, and he's going to basically have to come in and be Walker Kessler because yeah, they they just need it. And then the problem is that like some of their defensive players, like a Grant Williams, like a Derek Jones yeah. Jr., they can't give you much on offense. Like yeah, I don't want the ball in Grant Williams' hands unless he's going to randomly yeah. get super hot like he did that one playoff game to knock out Milwaukee. Yeah. But like it just doesn't happen. I feel like most of his offense comes from corner threes anyway. Yeah. And I don't know, maybe I may be conflating like what he did in college. I went to Tennessee when he was, when he was at Tennessee mm. and he just shoots, he shot a million free throws when he was in college. And uh, I, I think he doesn't really get to do that very often anymore, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like his offense is just that and, and threes, you know, maybe with Luca, they can get other teams in foul trouble and then Grant can get back yeah. to the line. <laughs> That's yeah. Fingers crossed. They did sign Dante Exum, which I've, yeah. been a, I've been a Dante Exum stand ever since he was in the draft. He got Kobe's mm-hmm. agent. Kobe gave him one <laughs> one like ounce of praise. I'm like, yeah, I think he'll be good. And I'm just hoping that this is the year of Dante Exum. Yeah, I mean, you, you see like little flashes of brilliance with like the Australian national team or like you're like, oh, wow, that, that was a really good game he just played. And then, you know, like you watch him play. He's like he's like a really tall sort of, you know, mm-hmm. lengthy point guard. I'm like, yeah. wow, you know, he's he's got he's got the physical tools. But then, yeah, it's just never translated on an NBA level. But but yeah, we're rooting for you, Dante. <laughs> I want to see how he I'm trying to look up how he did in. Uh, Spain, and then where else was he? Where is Partizan? Is that in Turkey? Maybe. I'm trying to see what his stats were. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he was doing. I don't. I don't have any frame of reference for how like Turkish league stats are, but he, uh, he averaged 13 a game in Turkey. So I mean, that that might be good. That's decent. <laughs> you know, one of the things I always yeah. forget when I look at international stats is that they play a 40 minute game, and those extra eight yeah. minutes they do add up quite a bit. They do. Like, yeah. You gotta kind of always oh, adjust yeah. your stats. Absolutely. Like I posted something about like Miritich winning the like the Euro League MVP like last year and somebody was like, Oh, he only had like thirteen and seven and I'm like, dude, <laughs> like it, that's that's yeah. really good for how many minutes he was playing and it was really efficient and I was like I don't know. Well you remember you remember when like in the Luca pre draft stuff, people were like, His stats are nothing but like he was like for Spain, he was having crazy numbers at eighteen. They won Euro League MVP at eighteen. Yeah, yeah. Were, I don't know. I I was never on the. Uh, oh, he should have gone to college. Like I I I was like this dude's averaging. I don't remember how much, but like a ton for Spain. You know. I, I feel very happy because I was like, listen, Lucas is gonna be the best player from this draft. Trey's yeah. gonna be the second best. And at this point, Shea has come out and kind of jumped in that conversation. But like, I was like, those guys should go one and two. I don't know why people are talking about Aiden and Bagley. So yeah, I, yeah. I at least had it half right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what do you guys think is the, the potential ceiling for the Mavs in a playoff run? 
Yeah, I was about to say they were like about 40 wins last year. Like I I view that as, you know, maybe a slight improvement on it. Maybe like they're 41, 42 wins at most. But like I I view them as like a play in team. Maybe they can sneak into the playoffs. But yeah, at best, first round exit. Yeah, I I do think like so I have 42 wins as well for them. Um, Yeah, I think play in get absolutely destroyed by Denver in the first round. And then, you know. And yeah. that's it. And they, and then Kyrie's unhappy and whatever, you know, whatever happens, happens. I'm surprised. I'm the highest of them or highest on them. I've got about 44. I just think a full year together of Luca and Kyrie, assuming that they get to have a full year together because with Kyrie, yeah. that could implode the couple weeks in yeah, the who, season. Who knows? But I just think that there's a lot of offensive firepower in that in the regular season is going to translate to wins. And the playoffs is going to be pretty easily exploited. Well, I will say Kyrie Irving, he's in the, I believe I saw on Twitter, somebody called the love bombing phase of his uh, Mavericks tenure where he's saying like, oh, I wish I was drafted by Dallas. They treat you so well. Um, When that kind of same thing was happening, like when he got to the Nets and he was like, oh, you know, my, my, my parents are Nets fans, you know, Um, it took him three games to uh, tell a Nets fan to suck his dick. So you know, it, it might not it might not go that well. In might Dallas. might not be lasting the longest. Yeah. Uh fair enough. All right. I think the next worst team in the division then is gonna be the Pelicans here. And uh the Pelicans big question for the season is how much will CJ Zion and Ingram play together? Yeah. In the last two seasons, they have played one hundred and seventy two minutes together. That is oh. it. Oh. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm going to read off a list of players and ask you if they played more or less minutes than than that. The trio of Durant, Harden, and Kyrie, more or less than the 172 minutes. I think it was more. I think more. I think more. More is correct. Is 235. Yeah. Okay. In the 2015 playoffs, just the 2015 playoffs, Kyrie, LeBron, and Kevin Love. That's that's low, I'm pretty sure. I think it's under. Yeah, I'll go under as well. It is under. It is 89 minutes. There, Because it was, wasn't it like game two or three when K-Love got his shoulder separated? It, it yeah. was game five, but that's game five, okay. still. Got it pulled out. <laughs> the three seasons that uh, the process number one picks were together, Simmons, Fultz, and Embiid, and for context, Fultz did miss one of those years. So it's really just two yeah. seasons on the court. I'm going to go with the over on that one. I think more. I think like two minutes more, honestly. <laughs> it's about 20 minutes less. It is uh, oh, 125. Man. Dang. In the eight games that Booker, Paul, and Durant played together last year, <laughs> are they over or under? Hmm. I, feel, I, I feel like gonna it go- has to be over. <sighs> I'm going to say under. It is five minutes under. Oh, my gosh. So in eight games, they racked up nearly as many minutes as the Pelicans trio. Wow. That that was a good one. That was a really good one. That just puts things into perspective. Yeah. You need need time on the court to gel. You do. Absolutely. So the real question is, is this the year that we finally get that time on the court? I hope so, man. Zion is so good. He is so good. And every – so I have a lot of, like – Pelicans related PTSD because the Pelicans always beat the Grizzlies and CJ McCollum always beats the Grizzlies and now they're uh, now he's on the Pelicans so I I always am expecting like before every season like they're gonna win 55 games they're gonna be the two seed I, I'm not expecting quite that this year but like mm-hmm. 
this team is so good. They've got, I mean, they like they've got so many just like good players on the team. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, they they're crazy deep. If we look at that starting five, it's Jonas Valanciunas, Zion, in theory, Trey A. Murphy or Herb Jones, yeah. uh, Ingram, CJ. But then their bench, Jose Alvarado, Dyson Daniels, yeah. either Trey or Herb, whoever you didn't start, Najee yeah. Marshall, Larry Nance Jr., uh, yeah. Cody Zeller, Willie Hernan Gomez. Like that's that's yeah. eleven NBA players. Yeah, yeah. That although I will say, okay, with I was thinking about because New Orleans and Memphis kind of they've been kind of parallel, you know, one two in the in the twenty nineteen draft, and Zion and Ja are kind of compared to each other. Sure. I would love to see them at some point, maybe this season, maybe next, like trade Valanciunas and get like a real stretch five in there just to get, just to clear up the paint, get fewer like touches for Valanciunas and just like give every single one of them to Zion. You're not, you're not buying into Jonas Nowit. I forget how they combined the Dirk Nowitzki, Valanciunas nickname. <laughs> so I I like Valanciunas because um, I you know he's he's a great player he's he's really cool but um, I don't know he, I feel like like with Ja like they traded uh, Memphis traded Valanciunas to get Stephen Adams to kind of like free up shots for John ja for Desmond Bain and like Zion has no shortage of shots but like I he needs to take more like he is that good. He needs to take, I don't know how many he takes, but he needs to take five more a game. Yeah, but it just takes a physical toll on you whenever you're creating that offense. And yeah. it's just like, yeah, I mean, that just means with that usage rate comes him breaking down more yeah. more often. So it's just, yeah, I almost think like you need somebody like Valanchunas next to him or playing within that rotation to almost absorb some of that physical, some of that physicality. Like, I and, and definitely within the West, I feel like, like your your Grizzlies experience last year, if you don't have somebody tough down low that can absorb yeah. those bigs, it's it's pretty tough to to beat some of these you know big Western Conference teams. Yeah. Yeah. That is a great point. I what I was thinking is just like okay, best case scenario, this will never happen. But like if they could get like Al Horford like oh, yeah. this year, I mean that would I just feel like that would be such a good like somebody who can shoot, somebody who can give yeah not even just his eye on, but like give shots to Trey Murphy, give shots to CJ McCollum, like, I don't know, Valentinus just, he, 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 he takes so many shots that like, I, if he could just like shoot some threes, I know he takes like two a game, focus on rebounding, screening, maybe block a shot or two. Like, I don't know. I feel like that's the best case. But you know, it, it, like you said, the physicality, like Zion is kind of fragile. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to even think who the like perfect center would be because you probably at this point, you don't want Al Horford too old. Like, right, you don't yeah, want to move yeah. forward. Gosh, who would you even try to target and trade for? Oof. I was so in addition to Horford, I was like, okay, Zach Collins, but he's he's not tough. I wouldn't call him. No, um, Kelly Olynyk, but like, I don't know. Just there's no perfect. Like, I feel like Al Horford five years ago is the answer. Right. Yeah, that makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, Olynyk would be a nice name to get over there. I don't know if yeah. Utah's willing to break it up, but they got John yeah. Collins now. Like Esther <laughs> Walker's going to be playing more. And they got so much room in the front court. Maybe sell sell an Olenek where they can. I think like Miles Turner would be like best oh, case yeah. scenario yeah. if yeah, it yeah, was yeah, to be yeah. like somebody to go over there that could defend, but also you know help stretch things out a little bit. You know, yeah. I think that that could make sense, but Cause, cause that might be a perfect world for them. Yeah. 
what wasn't the plan with Jackson Hayes to like eventually get him to be like a three point shooter? I have no idea what the plan with Jackson Hayes was. I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> from the minute the minute that happened, because what that that was the Lakers pick that became Garland. They yeah. flipped back for Hayes. Uh, was it Kyra Lewis that they got? Am I remembering this? Too late? Sounds it, right. Sounds right. It was just like, man, take, take the good player. We know Garland's yeah. going to be good. What? Why you got to overcomplicate things? Just, just <laughs> put him and Zion together, and you and you're solid. Yeah. What do you guys think about Ingram? I, I in the off season, really high on what Ingram was going to be this next year, and then uh, the World Cup happened, and he wasn't wasn't very good. I kind of had to back off some of my Ingram hype. I would, uh, I would say the World Cup, you know, don't read into anything from the World Cup, especially on the defensive end or, you know, when you're looking at rebounds or anything like that. Um, you know, block shots, rebound minutes, starting, um, you know, especially if you were like the defensive player of the year in 2023, uh, the World Cup doesn't matter at all. It's, it's not indicative of anything. Yeah, and plus I think that's more, it was more of an indicator that he was kind of put into a role that he maybe has never been. He was kind of like, hey, you're going to play in a limited role where we, some games we might need you, some games we might not. And like in Brandon Ingram's recent basketball career, when has that ever happened? You know, it's like, it's literally never happened to him. So it's, I, I just feel it's almost like, a, you know, he was, he was just kind of, in a in a different world wherever he was kind of experiencing a a new role i mean he was he was initially asked to be the star on the team him kind of the go-to guy and then got usurped uh probably rightfully so by anthony edwards yeah i don't know brandon ingram is so interesting to me because like so he i can't remember if it was which offseason was maybe 2020 or 2021 there was talk that maybe uh memphis would like throw him a max contract and then he just he wasn't available but i mean i don't know i i really like him i think he's a i think he's a great player but like i don't know something about something about him just doesn't like doesn't work for me i don't know i don't know i know i isn't he the leading scorer on new orleans i would say or no well i guess not. whenever zion's not playing yeah. yeah yeah i don't know he just i mean he can he can hit a three he can rebound he can assist but like i don't know I don't know, something something about him he feels like kind of the odd man out in, in right it, it's it's almost like you expect your the the best player on your team if they're scoring the most re, like and, and they're contributing in so many areas you almost expect them to be like a good leader to a certain yeah. degree mm-hmm. and i think that's one of the pieces he's missing as well is i don't really think that just from what we've seen is he's got that mentality where it's like dude i'm going to put the team on my back and and really do what's needed to to get these wins to put us in a good playoff position and it's like you know, sometimes you just got to, you know, maybe go beyond just putting up your numbers and how can I just contribute to winning? And maybe maybe now that he's kind of getting into his prime a little bit, uh, maybe we'll see that side of him. He will be 26 this year. He also did have kind of an injury play season last year. He only played 45 games, which uh, I know I was a little bit surprised looking back on that. I, I felt like he played more. Well, where are we putting them wins wise? I'm going with 41. What do you guys think I was I was gonna go a little higher. I was gonna yeah. say something closer to like forty six. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think that you know, I'm, but but also they didn't make they didn't make enough moves. Like they didn't make really hardly any moves. Like they they re signed Herb Jones, which you know I I like his defense. You got to yeah. make sure that he's gonna be there long term. But like outside of that, they didn't really do a whole lot. So if it was if it was less than that, it wouldn't really surprise me. Yeah. So for me. Of course, it depends on how much Zion plays. I think if Zion, if 
I don't think he's going to play 82 games. If he plays like 70 games, I think they're going to win like 49. And then yeah. if he, yeah, like I, of course that's still, again, like I, I'm terrified of the Pelicans. Um, but then like, if he, if he has a season where like, you know, he goes out January 1st or whatever, uh, like he did last year, then like 37, 38, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's hard. You just got to kind of figure out what you feel comfortable with, with Zion. Um, yeah. Also, the West is just kind of a, a bloodbath. I was looking yeah. at the total wins. And like last year, the East, actually, the East had a lot more wins from their, their top tier teams. The West was a little bit more condensed because you got to play your own conference 52 times. And so, yeah. like, Phoenix is the four seed at uh, 45 wins. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, yeah, you have a bad you, you have a bad week. You could fall from three to ninth. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's, That's what like I was looking at that. You know the basketball reference like standings by date tool. Mm-hmm. I love that thing. And so on the day that Zion went out, they were third. They were tied for second, I believe, and they were like a game behind Denver for first. And then they just like completely fell down. Yeah, like yeah. he is so important to. I mean. Rightfully so, he's so important to every single thing that they do that, like, without him, they they're kind of lost. I love, oh, yeah, I, mean, I love basketball references. Game results, they're like if you go to the team page and you see the yeah. little green bars for wins, the red bars, yeah, yeah, and, and like you could just look at it and be like, oh yeah, I see the moment Zion went out because it's just like exactly yeah, eleven straight losses, two wins, <laughs> and like five losses. Turns out losing the the league's best paint scorer actually yeah. hurts your team. Yeah, <laughs> who knew? <laughs> <laughs> interesting all right so we got a decent spread on this one i went 41 rob 46 lou 49 I, I think that makes sense just given the volatility of the pelicans injuries and that leaves us with just one team left the memphis grizzlies yeah and i uh i'm, I'm not allowed to say anything about this as a uh, as a coach so uh, I'm, I'm muting myself <laughs> all right well maybe you could say something about the trivia question here um <laughs> yeah. I expected this one to actually be the hardest trivia question of the day, so fair warning. But it's also kind of a fun one. Yeah. Uh, During the offseason, Memphis traded for Marcus Smart, which means they are pairing together two players who have won Defensive Player of the Year. This has only happened seven times in league history prior. Can you name those seven times? And I will let you know that some of these are... Before the players won it, they were on the same team. Some's like, you know, Mm -hmm. end of one guy's career that started the other's. There are like two easy ones and then five. Good luck getting them. If you guys can get three yeah. or four of them, I'll, I'll be impressed. Let's see. Um, remind me, has LeBron's never won Depoy, right? No, no. he did not. Okay. Uh, Marcus Saul took that one from him. Yeah. I was, I was, yeah. Uh, well, was it Marcus Saul? And wait, Tony Allen hasn't won a Depoy. He hasn't, surprisingly. Nope. No. Okay. It's he hard, deserves one. Hard for those yeah. wing defenders to get him. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Duncan and Robinson? Duncan, Duncan didn't win one. one. He never... Oh, my gosh. I know. It's, uh, my blood day. boils <laughs> to this day. Yeah, what is up with that? Because, like, we all know Duncan was really... Like, Duncan's all-defensive first team for how many years in a row? Like a ton. Um, yeah. It was like, it was like eight first teams in a row and yeah. then seven, seven second teams, I believe. Yeah. Kobe never won one either, did he? No. Jeez, that's that's more understandable. Kobe, yeah. Um... Trying to go, yeah, deep boys. Hmm. Got two in the nineties. Okay. It's not MJ Scotty. It is Scottie, not MJ Scotty. Scotty wasn't deep boy. That's yeah. But it is MJ and someone else. Oh, is it? No, it could be. Uh, 
It's not Oakley or Cartwright, is it? No, sir. No, no, no. Dang, this this is a good one, dude. This is yeah, tough. this is a good one. Uh, I want to say when did Dikembe Mutombo go on the Rockets? Was he on the Rockets with Hakeem? He was not on the Rockets with Hakeem. Yeah. Dang. There is a past Grizzlies pair of combo or uh, duo. Uh, yeah. There is a Spurs duo in here. Uh, we're also. Oh, oh, is it uh, Alvin Robertson and David Robinson? Ooh, that actually probably is a, another one that I missed. This one here. <laughs> okay. Because, uh, well, yeah, I know Alvin Robinson has won that deep way. The Spurs one I was going for was Dennis Rodman and David Robinson. Oh. oh. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't he play like he played like ten games for the Spurs? Am I right? Or I uh, did like a season and a half. Yeah, the Spurs yeah. just didn't like him. I mean, phew. well, honestly, like at the time, you know, our team was led by David Robinson, who's like you know military guy, very Christian guy, and then mm-hmm. in comes De- Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Like that was that relationship was never going to mesh. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that is <laughs> a bad pairing. Yes. Okay. Well, oh, Jaron Jackson and Marcus All were they on the same team? They were on that when Jaron was a rookie. Oh, man. I missed another one. I apologize. You guys are coming up with more than I had. But, dude, well, I'm trying to think of what the easy ones that you were talking about were. Like, two two that are, like, attainable. That's... Oh, yeah. And MJ and... Why am I wanting to think of... No, it's not... Dang. I'm trying not to... I'm fighting the urge to want to, like, look up something, but... <laughs> no, they didn't it, have to be on it, the same team when it happened. Is, is, it, is it Jordan and Ben Wallace? It is not... But there is a 2008 Chicago one with Ben Wallace and another Joe, future deep boy. Is it Noah? Yeah, joking. Yes, Noah. sir. Yeah. Okay. Golly. Who was with Jordan or played with Jordan? Oh, come on. You guys are going to be mad when you get this one. We've already said his name. Oh, Rodman. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no, no. Uh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm stupid. <laughs> um, who else? We've got a Toronto Raptors combo. We've got a Miami Heat combo, a Clippers combo, and another Grizzlies combo. Did Alonzo Mourning play with Gary Payton? Yes, sir. Oh, 2006. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I, I feel like that one was going to be the hardest one to get. I, honestly, yeah, I don't know how I pulled that. I'm just literally just trying to think of all the defensive player of the years I can possibly I know, think me of. too. Man, I can't believe I missed Jaron Jackson Jr. <laughs> because he was there with... If, uh, Marcus All, and then there was a third defensive player. This is the only time three defensive players have all been on the same team, and I'm sure Dude, that. And that was, and that was the, the 2018 Grizzlies? Who is this? Uh, the 2018-2019 Grizzlies. Or 2019, yeah. Oh, man. Who, did they did they play, like, two games? Like, like who is this, man? 42 uh, games, one start. Oh, Joakim Noah. Joakim Noah. There we go. Yes, okay. sir. Joakim also had a brief stint with the Clippers where he played with yeah. Kawhi. Kawhi, yeah. Mm. And then the Toronto Raptors had both Kawhi and Marcus All. Oh, yeah. A very Memphis-heavy uh, yeah. deep one. And, here, and, I, and I got, like, two of them, maybe. <laughs> uh, well, how are you feeling about your upcoming season? What, uh, what's, what's the outlook? Any big John Conchar or David Roddy news you want to give us? <laughs> Uh, let's see. Zaire Williams is healthy. He, Good. he, he doesn't have tendonitis in his knees anymore. I think he's done growing. Uh, let's see. Cause he's, he's like 20 years old. I mean, he, he's going into his third year. Um, and so his second half of his rookie year, he was really, really good. And then last year he was just horrible cause he was in so much pain all the time and he barely played if we like, um, but yeah, so Zaire is going to be back. He, there's like a, 
there's a competition in the wing rotation right now with like him, Roddy, Laravia. People on Twitter are, are uh, postulating that like Marcus Smart is going to be like the starting small forward when Ja comes back. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Um, Let's just go with Desmond Bain at the. The three and yeah, it's, the two like it's, that it's just sense? that it's just that Desmond Bain is like he's he's shorter than you think and he has short arms. You yeah, know? Uh, but he's strong though. He's 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 so strong. But but you're right. You need you need length if you're gonna guard a three. It, I I found I was looking through his uh, Facebook photos from like 2011 one time, and he was when he was like 10 years old. He was swole. He was huge. Damn. That's crazy. Yeah, that's where I felt he she shared a bunch of like pro Kobe anti LeBron like horrible Facebook memes. Good uh, man. Back when back when he was Great. in like the sixth grade. So yeah, I don't know. Like uh, Stephen, the, there's a big question mark with Stephen Adams. I'm sure I'm sure y'all know because he missed the last like 38, 40 games of the season. And I mean that Memphis is built around like the Josh Stephen Adams pairing, you know. And mm-hmm. so he. It was supposed to be a six to eight week injury, and then he missed the rest of the season. But uh, all indications are that he's like fully healthy. But they're still being a little like they're like, oh, we we think he's gonna give it a go. We think he can probably start the season. So that's what people uh, people in Memphis are like a little confused right now about what's going on with him because he just you know he's he's super important to everything we do: paint scoring, offensive rebounding, everything you know. It's all built around him. Yeah, emotional intelligence, leadership. Yeah, yeah. He, he he was the reason why I felt like I mean, not that I I mean even with him, I think the Lakers series you know last year would have been really really close. But yeah. you know he he was the clear missing piece out there. Just absolutely, just yeah, missing down low for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean I'm a a big fan of Xavier Tillman. Yeah, but, oh, me too. Uh, that. That is a huge downgrade it going is, from unfortunately, where Steve Adams to where he'll play Tillman in yeah. extended minutes. How do you think they're going to fare without Ja for the uh, first twenty-five games? I so I went through I went through every single game and I picked like what I think the result is going to be. Let me find where I put it. I think that in the first twenty-five games they are going to be fourteen and eleven. Okay. Yeah. So a little above five hundred. Yeah, because that like. This roster, I mean, there's some there's some really good players on this roster, and like they, there's a lot of continuity between a lot of them. Um, I think you're going to see them be a little more mature this year. I hope uh, that's that's what we're all begging for. But um, yeah, I mean, just Marcus Smart, Desmond Bain, Luke Kennard, um, Jaron, and then hopefully Stephen Adams. Like that's going to be able to like hold them above water. Uh, I I believe. Uh, but yeah, what if, if somebody gets injured, then it's over, but you know, yeah. Yeah, I, I I feel like I I feel like I agree with that. I mean, I think you know you get Stephen Adams back. You know, you add a guy that has a lot of playoff experience, a lot of toughness. Obviously, a, a deep boy under his belt. Even though I think that Defensive Player of the Year was definitely questionable, but but I also think that you know there there's enough positive there where if y'all are healthy, I could easily see y'all having a fifty win season. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say I also used to think that the depoy was fraudulent, but now I do not think that. So I think uh, he earned it entirely. <laughs> Why? What? What brought you to this realization that he earned? Oh, it? Oh, you know, you know. I mean, I, there's there's so many reasons. I'll never blame you for backing your guy. <laughs> is, is one of them that you live in Memphis? 
Yeah. But dude, I was so excited. So I've been, I've loved Marcus Smart since he was in college. Like he, obviously he, he's kind of a parallel to Tony Allen in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Like started with the Celtics, came to Memphis. Um, I watched, so University of Memphis, we played Oklahoma State twice at the beginning of, I feel like it was the 2013-14 college season. And Marcus Smart completely tore the team that I thought was going to be really good, completely tore them up. Um, just they had no answer for him on either end of the floor. And uh, I, I, so I watched a ton of OK State that year. And, you know, I think he probably could have like gone pro after one year, but like I'm really glad that he stayed so that I could see him in that environment. And then he could go to Boston, which like that was a perfect team for him for, mm-hmm. for the first, you know, first several years of his career. And then now, like, if he has to go anywhere other than Boston, I feel like Memphis is the perfect fit. Like, culturally, fit-wise, like, toughness, the fan base here is going to absolutely adore this guy. Oh, yeah. yeah well, y'all have always – I mean, I feel like even since the grit and grind days, y'all have still, like, still kept that mentality. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, he embodies that perfectly. Yeah. I remember his college days as well. I was I was like actually at that Texas Tech game wherever he ran into oh, the stands dude, yes. and, and, and pointed that finger at that old yeah. dude. And I was like, I was like oh, Dang. my goodness. I was like, this dude is – this dude is built different. This guy yeah. is crazy. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, like I, I couldn't agree with you more. That yeah. was, that was a good pickup. I think yeah. it's going to be a great fit. I yeah. do worry about a little bit about adding more crazy to Memphis. <laughs> I mean, okay. But in to defend that, um, cause Ja obviously in the last, uh, six or seven months has been a complete idiot, but I think that he is going to learn a lot from Marcus Smart on just how to like kind of control the, the craziness. And like, not, I don't know. I think Marcus Smart wants it so bad that he's going to be like, all right, delete Instagram from your phone. Don't, (laughs) don't go out after, uh, you know, after, because the, the first, the first incident, let's call it, um, was in Denver. It was after a loss and it was after, it was two hours, maybe three after Brandon Clark tore his whatever he tore. Mm. And so that's why like I and the rest of the fan base, like, we were like, can you, could you have done this at a worse time? Like you are, that's so insensitive, dude. Like how are you, this, that's being a horrible teammate to just like go out to the strip club and, and then get suspended for however many 12 games or whatever. So I, I, I would, you know, I thought he had learned from it. He clearly hadn't, but I, maybe he learned for the second time, you know? I do think having more veteran presence around him will be good. Yeah. I mean, all these incidents happened after Steven Adams was injured and wasn't with yeah. the team. Yeah. So having him back in the lineup, hopefully, will yeah. be good. Uh, having him smart there will be good. I think having a Derek Rose there yeah. uh, has has some potential. I've not been the biggest Derek Rose guy. I know he's had his own off the court incidents, which is like yeah. the guy that had a similar career and similar trajectory of like I'm this emerging superstar at a young age, yeah. and then blew out his knee. I think having yeah. Rose there is a kind of a reminder of the the shortness, the brevity of a career. Yeah. could be really good for him. You'd like to hope, you know, I, it's so hard for me to grapple with my feelings about Derek Rose. Cause like he did something horrible, but also like, I, he's the guy that got me into basketball. So like, I, I don't know, man, it's, it's so hard for me to like, like him, you know, mm-hmm. but like at the same time, I'm like, you are the reason that I have, have been watching basketball for 15 years, you know? So it's so hard to grapple with that. 
Yeah. I understand. I got into the sport because of Kobe. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's, <laughs> and exactly. like, you know, I don't ever want to be the person that just kind of turns a blind eye to that and says, no, Hey, this doesn't yeah. matter. Or like, ah, it wasn't really that big. No, I hate, I, I hate that. Like this, no sports figures can do horrible things. Yeah. There's certain things that you just can't separate from the player. And it's yeah. exactly when I'm watching movies, it's like, I can't separate sure. certain things from like a movie I watch. If I yeah. know something about that filmmaker and it's like, you know, yeah. you can't, you, you can't ignore those things. Yeah. But as for like what you were saying about like Derek Rose has been, he's, he kind of job Morant is kind of trying to speed run the Derek Rose experience right now, where he's like super shining star. And then obviously, you know, knock on wood, he hasn't gotten a, a terrible injury, but like, horrible off the court incident and you know in, in jaw's case multiple like you would just hope that derrick rose would be able to teach him that you know you you could you could be just like a has-been with uh, like at the snap of a finger and uh also i think i think being in memphis like because derrick rose went to memphis obviously he is not he's barely even played in memphis for the last 15 years and has never had a relationship with the basketball program at all because it was Calipari, you know, he didn't play for Josh Pastner or Tubby Smith. But now, like, I don't know, Penny Hardaway is such a huge figure in Memphis, obviously, and he's the U of M basketball coach. I think Penny Hardaway has reached out to Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has reached out to Tony Allen, trying to, like, foster kind of a, a sense of mentorship and community, like, among the team. And, you know, I, I just think Tony Allen's made some mistakes, too. Maybe maybe not uh, on, on quite that level, but... Um, I, I just really think that this is going to turn around for job because I think he's got so many people in his corner because like Penny Hardaway, he, you know, he injuries ruined him. Um, and he was kind of a diva to begin his career. Derek Rose injuries ruined him. Tony Allen, beloved Memphis figure. Um, I just, I, he's got all the tools, man. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it just has, he just has to have the right mindset. And if he does, then he'll get through this. And if he doesn't, he's, he's going to flame out, you know? I think that's, I think that's totally fair. And, and, you know, I think we're all pulling for him to figure it out. It's never a good thing to see, you know, a young man with troubles and it's just like, it's, yeah. it's solvable. So I think we're all rooting for it. Where did you guys land wins wise for, uh, for Memphis? Yeah. So I, again, it's, um, uh, dependent on a star player, like with the Pelicans, but, um, I, what I just went through and like assumed, you know, health, Assumed John not being an idiot, um, and I got to fifty. Okay, yeah, they were at fifty-one last year. Yeah, um, but that is with a pretty promotionalist ter- year. I mean, yeah. missing out on uh, on John for the first twenty-five games. Yeah, you know it. You can plan for it. Might be a little bit better than having him in and out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I think, you know, there's there's some positive additions to your team. You know, obviously, Steven Adams and Marcus Smart are going to bring a lot of, you know, leadership and physicality and, you know, toughness to the team that, you know, that's their identity. So I think that's that's obviously a huge thing. But, you know, and more so what you said, you can plan around that suspension so you can tweak your roster to where you're going to maybe, you know, run some lineups you weren't expecting to run, but you know, that'll, that'll make you figure out, you know, who, who can you trust later on? What kind of lineups can you run? Maybe a a variety of small ball situations. So I think, um, you know, it may be a little tough those first 25 games, but I, I see him, I see him winning 50. I will say the, so I mentioned the wing stuff. Um, Zaire Williams, David Roddy, Jake LaRavia, 
all three of those guys, like if one of them is like a, a competent backup wing, that'll make me feel so much better about this team. Like, cause last year, the contributions from Zaire and, and uh, Laravia were minimal. Uh, yeah. David Roddy was great. If he can improve a little bit, if one of those two other guys can improve, then like we have an actual rotation at that point once Ja gets back. You guys have the deepest roster in the league. Like, yeah. I mean, projected starting five, Adams, Jackson, and Zaire, Desmond, Ja, second yeah. string, Tillman, Santi Aldama, David Roddy, John Conchar, Marcus Smart, third string. Yeah, yeah left out Luke Kennard. Oh no, he's I just got him third. There there's Kenny Lofton, uh Brandon Clark, Jake Laravia, yeah. Luke Kennard, and Derek Rose. Like that is that's fifteen guys well, who the, can play minutes. The best thing, and dude, I this is why I love being a fan of this team in particular. They can throw so many different lineups at you. And like sure. they can if somebody's out like for a game or two, like they can fill in kind of seamlessly. Now in the long term it gets more squirrely, of course, but for like one game, you can throw in John Conchar and it's going to be fine. You can throw in Zaire Williams and it's going to be fine. It's, you know, it's when you get to the, like a 25 game uh, stretch, like the beginning of the season where it's like, okay, you gotta, you gotta plan a little more. You gotta be a little more judicious about who gets the minutes. But um, yeah, they, everybody on this team can like actually play basketball, which is, uh, it is, yeah. it has not always been that way. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I told you I'd keep you here around an hour, hour and 15. Uh, is there anything, you know, thank you very much for going through this exercise with me, running through the, the different teams. Was there anything that you guys wanted to talk about? Anything hot and pressing on the NBA circuit that, uh, you know, you've been dying to chat with someone about? I mean, I, I think the the main topic right now is is Dame. Are you are you thinking are you thinking Bucks number one in the East or is it Boston now that they got Drew? Man. Yeah. Well, so I, I listened to the uh, a great podcast today called the Hoops Temple Podcast, and uh, somebody on there made a great point about <laughs> how um, like Milwaukee, you can't. There's no defensive scheme that can stop Dame plus Giannis. You know. Yeah, that 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 pick and roll is is just absolutely deadly. I mean, it's limited in a sense because Giannis isn't a true pick and pop option. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, if if he's rolling going downhill towards the basket, yeah. that's the da- most dangerous pick and roll out there. Yeah. If Dame gets the ball, I mean, he can he can pull from anywhere. Yeah. Or you could do like a stagger, or like a horn series action where you've got the pick and pop from Lopez and then Giannis go into the basket. Yeah. Uh, Middleton in the corner or Connington, the weak side, like that's really lethal. Um, my, my one hesitation is just, man, Milwaukee, why didn't you stay engaged and make this a four team trade? So you had uh, yeah, some say yeah. in where Drew was going. Cause yeah. him going to Boston is the absolute worst case scenario. Like if you end yeah. up in, uh, in Miami, fine. Like yeah. that, that sucks. But Boston is just a brutal, brutal thing. And I, I do think I do think that Boston is, you know, kind of a not a nightmare matchup for Milwaukee, but like that it's the toughest matchup for Milwaukee, probably. Yeah. I will say the uh people talking about the playoff series from two thousand eighteen where Drew Holiday locked up Damian Lillard, yes, like that that happened and you know, uh, Drew Holiday is still a very capable defender, but like that was that's gonna be six seasons ago. So like I don't know if that holds too much weight nowadays i really like what he could do against dame but they had to give up rob williams they already lost grant williams yeah who's gonna yeah. guard Giannis? like are, are we yeah. putting all of that weight on al that's Al uh, yeah <laughs> feels dangerous nah poor 
Porzingis is going to hold it down. Porzingis is going to uh, make it to the playoffs for sure. <laughs> uh, Rob, what do you think? I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I love the move for Milwaukee, but ultimately, I agree with you. Like, how could you let him go yeah. to your nut to your number one competition? It immediately made me say, "All right, Milwaukee was the favorites, and then now the the Celtics are the favorites." So it's, you know, I, I think you know, Celtics did an amazing job, went after the guy, the exact guy that you needed, and you know, and we, I know we were just laughing at Porzingis, but I think. That's that's a damn near solid big four. That's that's yeah. a legitimate mm-hmm. big four. And um, if Porzingis is the fourth guy in that rotation, then I, I think they have a great chance to make it back to the finals. And if yeah. he's hurt, they have Luke Cornett right there, ready to go. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Does, oh, does yeah. Porzingis do the uh, the Cornett contest? Does he do that? I think he tried it for a little bit in Washington. <laughs> so I I just I Porzingis when he plays and is engaged like yeah he's great I just really I don't love him I did, I just have never liked him as a player I just I feel like if you if you can't put it together when you're playing with Luca I don't know like <laughs> when when I don't know I don't know man I also feel like the Mavs kind of misused him a little bit they had him taking more threes than he has throughout his whole career and I yeah. think that he was just kind of forced into that you know outside mm-hmm. shooter role a little bit too much but like I also agree with you it's like that I mean yeah if you're not going to get easy buckets and be efficient next to Luca then then who is it going to be you know yeah let me see how many yeah he was shooting they had him shoot a ton at the beginning my gosh yeah, he was shooting seven yeah. a game in the first year. They ran him out there like he was Dirk, and yeah, right, right. Which I mean, yeah, but he's a poor, he's a poor man's Dirk. Let's let's be frank. <laughs> and he has he's a different skill set. He was really good in the post this last year for Washington. So you know, Dallas just didn't use him down there all that much. I, yeah, I push back a little bit on the if you're not good with uh, Luca, uh, you're might not be as good because Luca's been really ball dominant. I think he is super helios. You are right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This, this does have a lot of potential to be a better situation for him. Cause like he doesn't, he, I don't know. They, they can kind of let him do what he does best instead of kind of forcing him into a larger role than he may be able to handle. But um, I don't know. I, I still, I do think that they're probably better than Milwaukee just right off the top of my head yeah. but like i don't think that the i don't think it's like a massive you know i don't like i don't think the drew holiday thing is like okay ace in the hole like if we meet you're done like i think it's going to be a super entertaining series and like you know they they would have to scheme a lot against each other absolutely yeah. i think we're all hoping that's the eastern conference finals matchup definitely definitely uh, hopefully yeah and you know what as long as it happens i don't care what round it is if yeah. you know one of them gets off to a slow start someone else takes the one seed just, just make it happen. Who do you think that might be if it, if if somebody else other than those two were one? This is going to sound weird, but I, I think Atlanta. Atlanta, really? I think Quinn Snyder is going to come in and like really crack the whip on those guys. Yeah, like I I don't know that there's but that they're going to take the one seed, but I think I think Milwaukee or Boston really needs to falter, or both of them kind of need to falter. Yeah, like. So I think I think Atlanta it has that potential to jump up either them or the yeah. Knicks. Interesting. I, I, I'm Knicks. I'm I'm warmer on the Knicks. Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, I did. I would need to think about Atlanta a little more. I would maybe think the Cavs could somehow sneak in there too, but I'm not. 
Yeah, I'm, I I'm do love as, that Cavs team, but I'm uh, not as high on them as I was going into last year. I was, yeah. but I still feel like that that young core is 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 really solid, and you know, the more that Garland and Mitchell play together, I think it could be it could be something. What's your hesitation? Is it the is it the bigs? The fact that Mobley didn't quite develop as much as we were hoping, and that Jaron Allen looked really bad in the playoffs. Yeah, well, I mean. <sighs> I, th- I think it's more Mobley. Like I was, you know, going into his rookie year and even like during some of his rookie year, there was like people calling him like Kevin, Kevin Garnett esque and, you know, like look comparing him to Chris Bosch on offense. And I'm like, dude, what, what's I'm like, I'm not quite seeing that. And I still haven't seen it yet. I'm, yeah. I mean, he's a really good defender. Don't get me wrong, but like to be a, like a, like a game changing rim protector, he needs to take a, a step up. Yeah. The thing with Garnett that we always miss is just how much that intensity really mattered. Like, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was watching, it was just on NBA TV. It was like the 98 All-Star game. And it's it's oh, young yeah. KG. And they're talking about how they're trying to run him at point guard some. And I was like, he has all of this fluidity and movement. I was like, man, it kind of reminds me of what we saw from Ben Simmons. Yeah. Ben Simmons just never had that like aggression or uh, intensity. Like if you could dial up you know his level from one to like 10 yeah uh, on the intensity side like Simmons could have been really good I know the Ben Ben Simmons is just so frustrating as you know as, as a player but um yeah dude, I I didn't watch that game I watched um recently I watched Kevin Garnett's first matchup with Tim Duncan which was in Ooh. I guess yeah I guess 98 uh or 90 I can't remember what year but uh yeah, dude, that that's a great game. It's that's on YouTube if you uh, if you ever bored. I need to go back and rewatch that. Yeah, I did. I like that. I like the. Uh, here's another recommendation: Shaq's first game against Yao Ming. That's a great one. Oh, absolutely! That's an all time great. Yeah, Yao Yao shuts him down like yeah. three three possessions in a row, or or close to three possessions in a row. And yeah, I, I love hearing Shaq talk about that story. Man, well, I think that's a good segue. Uh, I wanted to give you guys a chance to plug what you were. Uh, working on uh and lewis you're you're working on something absolutely fantastic i love listening to the the beginning of rim dynasties can you tell the tell the listeners a little bit about it yeah so okay rim dynasty which is it's a, a little bit of a departure from the last podcast i did which was backfired so this is i'm doing previews right now of every division kind of like you guys um but it's i'm starting in 1999 the summer and I'm going to go through, I'm going to go week by week and look at every single week of the 99-2000 NBA season and then like hopefully continue onward if, if people like it. But I'm just going to do like a detailed like news breakdown. I've got some segments that I'm planning to like kind of spotlight some of the, you know, the high performing rookies, kind of the high performing like less remembered guys. Um, but the thing that I think is the coolest about this show that I'm doing I have this col- this huge collection of uh, NBA games from that era, and so I'm going to watch one, and then I'm going to like break down just kind of like from a storyline perspective what happened in that game. Ideally, which I, I'm still work- trying to figure out how I'm going to do this. Ideally, I'm going to also post the game somewhere, either in a Google Drive or on YouTube, and let people watch along and you know be able to like discuss it, kind of like a book club. So uh, yeah. yeah. So I, I had the idea, it came to me, it was just a shower thought, and I uh, I really liked it, so I've been doing it, and yeah. First game is going to be the Seattle Sonics versus the LA Clippers in November 99. Dang, is that is that yeah, Corey McGetty, the uh, Clippers? Corey McGetty, I believe. Next year. 
Corey Maggette, I let me see. I haven't I haven't actually watched the game yet, so I'm not I'm not 100 sure. So um, some Elton Brand action in there. Yeah, let's see. Okay, Corey Maggette, he is he's on Orlando that year. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Lamar Odom. Is it, is it Chris Kamen? Chris Kamen is not on the team, so it's uh, it's Lamar Odom, Michael Olocandy, uh Maurice Taylor. Let's see, who else is even good on this? That is bad basketball there. Yes. Nobody's on the, nobody's good on the team, but uh, yeah, dude, it's it's gonna be fun. So that and that's actually the first game uh, when they opened the Staples Center is this game that I'm going to watch. So oh. history right there. That's legit. Yeah, nice. That the Clippers got there before the Lakers. Huh. Did not know that. Well, Rob, what are you working on? What's uh, what's coming up next for you? I'm going to be doing uh, season two of the Baseline Bums podcast. Shout out Baseline Bums. That's the, if you didn't know who the yes, Baseline sir. Bums were, they're like the most original diehard fans, you know, that, that support San Antonio that have existed since they were the Dallas Chaparrals. Um, so, 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 uh, just wanted to pay homage by by naming our podcast after them. Uh, so we're gonna be diving into season two. Gonna be talking a lot about the silver and black, especially now that we got some more you know nationally televised games that a lot of people <laughs> will actually be able to watch. So yep. so so that'll be that'll be fun now that we're we're kind of back in the spotlight again. And I, I also just started a little uh, basketball card shop. A little online card shop where I've got some some memorabilia, some various basketball cards, and doing doing live openings and selling stuff like that. Just because uh, you know, I it's tough for me to stay away from anything hoops related. It's you know, I'm I gotta consume it pretty much everywhere. So yeah, starting starting that up just a couple of months ago. So yeah, yeah. If you're if anyone's interested in any basketball cards or um, anything like that, uh, I got you. Awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you guys so much for coming on the pod. It was awesome to talk hoops with you guys for a bit. Uh, Aaron sends his apologies and says that he will have to have you guys back because uh, he missed out on chatting with you guys. But uh, thanks for coming and thanks for listening. Uh, you can email us, hoopstemple at gmail.com. Love to hear from you guys. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. Na, 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 na.